This ministry has been made available by Kenneth Higgins Rama Bible Training Center, Nigeria. I want to share with you in this session about keeping your faith mended, or we could say keeping your faith in good working order. Taking care of your faith like you would take care of some natural, like, a, like taking care of your car, taking care of your home, you know, taking care of your faith. So keeping your faith mended. All right, we're going to begin in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18. But first let me say that faith, as we've learned and know and you knew, faith exists then in different persons in various degrees according to the amount of the knowledge and their growth in grace. Now, uh, to grow in grace, uh, you know, there's a definition that I heard uh, sometime back, a some, uh, pretty good while back, that gra the grace of God is God's ability working in us to do what we're not uh, capable or able to do in and of ourselves. The grace of God is his ability working in me to do what I would not have the natural ability to do. So Peter here, he tells us to grow in knowledge. Well, we know that would apply to your faith. You can never have faith beyond your knowledge of the word. And that, that goes probably without saying. So the more knowledge that you acquire of the word, uh, then, uh, and you set your heart then to... Uh, operate in faith, then the more knowledge that you have of the Word of God, then your faith can, can expand itself uh, and be greater than it would be otherwise. So he said that uh, he talked about growing in the grace and in the knowledge. So we're talking about faith and grace. Now we know this, that the grace of God is accessed by our faith. The, the grace of God, we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand, Paul told the Roman. In the Roman letter, he said, said that. So grace and faith work together. And the more that we understand about faith and know that we understand that, that the more knowledge that you have, obviously the more that we have to base uh, our faith upon. And, and, and we understand then that grace working with us in our life that we then are able to accomplish things by faith and grace that we would not otherwise be able to, uh, to accomplish just with our own natural talent or gifting. And so faith is made up of three things. Faith is made up of knowledge. Faith is made up of belief. And faith is made up of trust. And so we know then that that. When, where there is the lack of knowledge. You remember what the scripture teaches us. It says, uh, God says, my people are destroyed. Uh, I like another translation that I read one time, or maybe it's in a commentary, that, where it said, my people are deprived of my promises because of a lack of knowledge. My people are deprived of my promises because of their lack, <coughs> excuse me, because of their lack of knowledge. And we also know that after knowledge comes, obviously we have to embrace that in our belief system. We, we have to do that. But then there's a step beyond that, 
that you can believe something and still not engage yourself in it. So knowledge and believing, and then comes trust in God. And that trust then uh, will help us and enable us to, uh, to engage ourselves in the knowledge by faith in the knowledge that we have received from the word of God. Now we, we illustrated that, I believe it was yesterday. <coughs> Excuse me. And so uh, we see then that a person can believe something but not engage themselves in what they believe by faith. And so actually what it comes down to is that what they believe really does it doesn't do anything for them. Are, are you, do you understand where I'm going? There? In other words, I can believe, I gave you that illustration of how that a, that a person who is near death by malnutrition or starvation, that and, and a meal is prepared for him or her and, and put in front of them, and the question is posed to them, do you believe if you eat this that, uh, that you would not die of malnutrition? And the, and the, the person could say, yeah, I, that's what I believe. I believe if I eat that, I would not. But yet, for whatever reason, refuse to, uh, refuse to eat it. So what he believes will do him no good until he engages himself in what he believes. What was his belief? If he eat it, then he would not... Uh, he would not, uh, you know, die of, of uh, mal, malnutrition. So faith is made up of these three things, knowledge, believing, and trust. And so we know when you get to the trust level, you know that your faith isn't getting involved there because you trust God. Now, Peter said it this way in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18. He gives this instruction, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to him be glory both now and forever. Amen. So we know this, that there's growth that can happen in grace. There's growth that can happen in my understanding and my uh, uh, engaging myself. Gro growth, I can have growth in, in, uh, in doing things beyond my own natural abilities because grace is, uh, one of the facets of grace is God's ability working in me to do what I don't have the ability to do. So Peter's just simply instructing the people, now grow in that grace because you're going to need it at some point in your life uh, when you're facing certain situ situations. So, so Peter says, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to him be glory both now and forever, ever and forever. So we must know that God has done all that is necessary to redeem us from the penalty of sin's curse. You know, the, uh, what we know it as the, as the curse of the law, but actually the law, didn't, the law didn't bring a curse. It was the breaking of the law. It was the breaking of the command of God when Adam, uh, Eve disobeyed God in the garden. So the law just simply pointed out sin. That'd be like a, uh, be like a, if you're cutting across somebody's yard, you know, if you're walking and maybe you're walking and you're down the sidewalk, but you're making a path across and uh, you thought it was all right. But then one day when you started across there, there was a sign that said, keep off of my grass, keep off grass. Now there is something that makes you aware that what you're doing is not permissible or 
are not allowed. So the law gave the knowledge of sin, but, but the curse that's in the earth is the curse that sin brought with it. Sin always brings a curse. Sin always uh, will do that. Certainly, obviously, we all know this for sure, that, that the curse does, surely doesn't bring any blessing to us. So we know then that God has done all that is necessary to redeem us from the penalty of sin's curse. And so we, we quote Galatians, don't we? That God has, how does that go? God has redeemed us or delivered us. How's that, how's that work? God has redeemed us from the curse. Now, what does that mean? That means that God, in the, the, this word redemption, it means that God has bought me. I'm sorry, that I have been bought. We, God, we have been bought, not just brought, but we have been bought back to God because Jesus come and paid the penalty. He paid the penalty, the price that sin uh, required. And so Jesus came and he did that. And so in, in the giving of himself, of his body, in the shedding of his blood, he bought us back into God's possession uh, by that, that redemptive work. Now, this is what, what I'm saying here is uh, simply this. We know that God has done all that is necessary to redeem us from the penalty of sin's curse. God has redeemed us from the curse of the law, Jesus has, being made a curse for us. For as it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on the tree. So he was cursed with our sin. He who knew no sin was made to be sin. In other words, he was made to be the sin offering and the sin sacrifice. So the penalty of dying under sin's curse was placed on, on Jesus. He who knew no sin was made to be sin so that I could be bought back. Uh, uh, God, uh, you know, God bought me back with that. But he who knew no sin was made to be sin that I might become something, that I might become what? The righteousness of God. Or we could back up and say that I might be brought back into right standing with God because through the penalty that Jesus paid with his body and his blood, he bought me back. Now, now I'm no longer a pilgrim and a stranger in this land. I am a child of God. We are children of God. Bought back, we belong to God. God is our Father and we are the, are in the family of God, uh, or we are in the body of Christ. So God has bought us with a price, and that price was the blood and the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we understand all that. So Adam, then in the garden, he forfeited the right, or he gave up the right of dominion, over God's creation. Remember how God created him. He created him with dominion. He said, have dominion. You read that in the Genesis book, the letter, or the Genesis writing, Moses. And he said, uh, uh, he, he said, have dominion. God said, when he created Adam, you know all this, but, but he created Adam and he breathed himself into Adam. He breathed into his nostrils, the, the King James said, the, uh, the breath of life. But he breathed himself into Adam. And so Adam 
was made from the dust or the dirt of the ground, the dust of the earth. And when God breathed into him, God breathed himself into his spirit, into his soul. So actually Adam become uh, a, he become a dwelling place of God in the earth. With what? With dominion and authority over all of the works of God's hand over all of God's creation, dominion, authority was, was breathed into Adam by God. Now Adam actually became, if you, if you understand where I'm going with it, actually became the God on the earth and had the same dominion as God the Father. He had the same dominion and power. And we know these things, but it's good to hear them sometime. And so what Adam did, he forfeited the right or he gave up the right of dominion over God's creation and handed it over to Satan. We know that. And so Jesus came then for one purpose. He came for, for, well, maybe more than one thing in the purpose. He came for the purpose of purchasing came for the purposes of paying the price to redeem us back to God so that we could become children of God, that God could become our father. But he also, in other parts of that, he came to uh, give us back the right of dominion. God gave us back the right of dominion. He gave us the right to rule, amen, and, and, and the right to dominate the things that Satan brought into the earth. So he gave us the right to dominate sin. And Paul in the Roman letter said, sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under the law, the curse of sin really, but you are under grace. And so we see then that, that we not only have been brought back to God by the blood and the body, but we have begin, been, been given dominion and authority over all of the works of God's hand. And what plays the important role in that is this, that we exercise this dominion and authority with our faith by not only believing God, but by engaging ourselves in what God instructs us to do. And in doing that, we then out of that comes dominion and authority over all of the works of God's hand. So when, when, when uh, Paul writes, he said that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation or a new creature. And so he's now different than what the old Adam was. He is a new creation in the hand of God, in the sight of God, and in the plan of God. He is a new creation with the same power and the same authority and with grace and with uh, faith and with all of the things that you know and that we've talked about, you have that today made available to you through Christ. All right, so Jesus came then for the purpose to restore this right back to man. And it's called redemption. It's called being redeemed. It's called, it's called being bought back unto God through his blood, amen. And so Jesus did that himself. He bought me back to God. Nothing that I had have done that would earn me that or, or would accomplish that, but nothing other than my faith 
in believing that Jesus Christ did what he did to bring me back and to buy me back unto God. So our faith has to be involved in all of the workings uh, of this. Now, Psalm, the 130th Psalm, and the seventh verse says it this way. Psalm 130, verse seven says it this way. Let Israel hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy, and with him is plenteous redemption. God has got more than enough. He's Jehovah Jireh, amen. God is the God who is what? More than enough. So you can't ever surprise God. Uh, you know, I, I, I've heard people, let me back up and say it this way. I've heard people say, well, now, you know, uh, God, I'm just, uh, I'm not asking you for a whole lot. I'm just asking you for a little. Thinking they're really going to impress God. Boy, he's going he's gonna to say, golly, you know, and be, be so impressed. But no, that's not what God wants you to do. God wants you to ask for and wants you to receive the entire package of this plenteous redemption. So God's got redemption for every facet of your life. For everything that you would ever encounter in life, God has redemption for you. Why? Because he is what? He is plenteous in redemption. So when, when the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, we, we should be saying what is in redemption. We should be talking about the things that God has, rede has redeemed us to. He's redeemed us out of something and brought us into something. So we are to talk about what he's brought us into. So when he talks about, uh, uh, how'd that go? Uh, uh, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So we say the things that we have been redeemed into and brought back into. So what do we say? When the, when, when the redeemed of the Lord are talking and say it, they're saying what? I'm healed, I'm whole, I'm well. I am blessed, I'm blessed coming, I'm blessed going. And all those things that Deuteronomy lists, you know, uh, I'm the head, not the tail, above and not beneath. That's what the redeemed of the Lord is to be saying. That's what, that, is our, that is a communication that we should be as children of God that we are to say, let the redeemed of the Lord say what they have been redeemed to, you see. And re realize we've been redeemed from the penalty of sin and the curse of sin, and we have been bought back by God through the blood and the body. And so we say what we have been redeemed into. Amen. And so, you know, that's why, you know, I, I used to hear people pray and have heard people pray in the past and, and telling the Lord in, the, in praying, I have actually as a child or kid growing up in church, I would hear some of the older saints say, now, Lord, you know that I am so unworthy Well, that's not, that's not what the redeemed is supposed to say. But yet, for whatever reason, you know, and religious or whatever, and maybe, it's, maybe it would put a salve on their conscience. I don't know. Or I don't know if it made them feel better or not. But they said, now, Lord, you know I'm, I'm unworthy. But the Lord don't know that you're unworthy. He, he, he knows that you were, and he did something about it. 
and God sent Jesus to buy you back. So God has done something about all us folks who are unworthy. So I'm not an unworthy new creation in Christ today. You're not an unworthy new creation in Christ right now. Why? Because you've been redeemed. And God is plenteous in this redemption. So whatever you'll ever need, redemption's got it. Whatever you'll ever face, redemption's got the answer. Whatever comes against your life or, uh, or comes for your life, it comes out of redemption. We are the redeemed of the Lord. And let the redeemed of the Lord, let it come out of your mouth. Let the redemption of what God has redeemed you uh, to, let it come out of your mouth. So don't ever let come out of your mouth that you're unworthy. You're washed in the blood. Amen. You're cleansed by the blood. You're purged by the blood. You're purified by the, by the blood. You have been born again. And so therefore, I am a new creation in Christ and I can do what God says I can do and I can have what God says I can have. Why? Because I am the redeemed. I am not looking to be redeemed and I'm not waiting till I get to heaven and God tell me whether I am or I am not. I am the redeemed of, of the Lord. I have been bought with the price and let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And so don't ever let what is going on about you or around you or what you're dealing with dictate to you how your conversation is to be directed to God. Now to some people, they might think you're out there just spouting off some words, but no, you're talking to God when, when you're talking about being redeemed unto uh, the work of redemption. So he said, and I'll get off of it but here just in a minute, but he said, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So every day of your life, you ought to get up saying, thank God I'm well today. Thank God I'm whole today. I thank God every need in my life is met today. I thank God, uh, you know, uh, uh, when Satan comes against me one way, he's going to flee seven ways. I, I, I am the blessed of the Lord today. I am the head and I'm not the tail. What, what we're doing, the redeemed is talking. And not only are we talking to God, but we're getting it out there in the atmosphere around us where the principalities and the powers and the rulers of the darkness uh, are out there and they're hearing you say that too. And guess what? That, that word has power. Those words has power in it because it's saying what God tells you to say. And guess what? Those demon powers recognize the power of God in those words. And when you say, I am well, I'm healed, I'm whole, I'm blessed, uh, and all of those different things that we say, those demon powers out there recognize, uh-oh, uh-oh, I am fooling with somebody that has been bought back to God and is the redeemed, amen. And so we understand. We understand. Then much, much better why faith is involved in all of this thing. Amen, because that's who God has made us to be, amen. And we can say with the Apostle Paul, hey, you know, he got up and he said it this way, all that I am and all that I ever expect to be, I owe it all to him, to Christ. Well, well he, he didn't say for you not to expect anything. He said, all that I am or ever expect to be, I expect to be everything that God says I am. Uh, that's, that's my expectation, faith. Faith is expecting. And so we have that faith expectation that I am who God says I am and I can do what God says I can do and I can have what God says I can have. And so in that I rejoice.
in that I express my joy. I rejoice. I give praise. I give honor. And so what am I doing? I am flooding the atmosphere around me with the grace and the, and the graces of God and the power of God. I'm putting that all around me because I am saying so. Let the redeemed of the Lord, what? Say so. All righty. Okay. And so Jesus came to, uh, to oh, now let me get in the right place here. So uh, Psalm 130, verse 7. Let Israel hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy, and with him is plenteous redemption. And so we see then that there is more than an adequate supply of redemption. Amen. More than an adequate supply. I mean, God don't have just a little bit, you know, and if I ask too much, he might run out. No, no, no. He's got it all. He got more than we could ever, ever need. So God has redeemed us. God is redeeming us. And God will yet redeem us. Say it. God has redeemed me. Say it with me. God, has, God is redeeming me. And God will redeem me. That covers your past, that covers your present, and that covers your future. God is taking care of the past, he's taking care of today, and he'll be taking care of tomorrow. So Jesus comes along and says, take no thought for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself, for sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. He said, don't let your mind become burdened down with thinking about what's gonna happen tomorrow. Here's what we know is gonna happen tomorrow. Uh, redemption is plenteous. So the same redemption that was plenty then, the same redemption that's plenty now is gonna be the same redemption that's plenty tomorrow. Amen. It's gonna be the, plenty, the same plentiful redemption next week, next month, and next year as we engage ourselves with this redemption by faith and using our faith. Can you say amen? Amen. amen. All right, so God has redeemed us. God is redeeming us. God will yet redeem us. So what belongs in the present tense must never be put off to the future tense. Now, let me say that again. What did I say? What belongs in the present tense must not be put off to a future tense. So we're never to say, God's gonna bless me someday. No, the redeemed doesn't say that. What does the redeemed say? God has blessed me and God is blessing me. Now let me drop you a little thought here that you probably thought about many times, uh, but let me remind you of it. You can't operate in faith tomorrow. There is no way you can operate in faith tomorrow. Now, I want that to soak a little bit. You can't operate in faith tomorrow. Why? Because the Bible says faith is now. When it says faith is, that indicates that it is a now present thing. So faith is now. So tomorrow, when you get to tomorrow, it won't be tomorrow. It'll always be what? So that means we're talking faith every day. We're saying how it is every day. Why? Because we're we not ever going to get to tomorrow and say, well, you know, next week, I'm going to really use my faith next week. No, when you get to next week, it'll be now. And faith always operates in the realm of the now. Are you hearing me? It operate, God sees it as operating in the realm of now. He wants to see you in, your, in, in, in the present tense right now. And he wants, wants, you, wants us to see that's the way that he's going to deal with us tomorrow, next week, next month, and next 
a year, you see, so he's dealing with us, amen, in, in always, in our faith always deals with us, our deals in, in, the, uh, in the present. So what belongs in the present tense must not be put off to a future tense. So don't, 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 you know, if you hear yourself say it, just think about it and get it corrected, that, well, you know, I'm believing that God's going to bless me one of these days. You know, it's kind of like, well, you know, one of these days my ship's going to come in, you know. And, and this day and time, it's like I've heard some Christians say, well, one of these days God's going to let me hit the lottery. Well, you've already hit the lottery. You've already won the lottery. Yeah. Are you hearing me? You've already won the greatest lottery. But you see what I'm saying to you is simply this, that God is not asking us to put anything off to the future. Because every day you live is a present tense day. Every minute, every moment is a present tense in your day. And so what belongs in the present tense must not be put off to a future tense. And this is where faith comes in. We believe that Jesus did what he did. We believe that Jesus is what he was. And we believe... And we believe that what was, what was that? That bell disturbed me, right? We believe that Jesus will. For the present, we cannot relegate to the future what has already been accomplished for us today. God accomplished for us this redemptive act when he raised Christ from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. And it is a finished work and it works now. Always in the now. So here's the thought that I'm not going to get to today. <laughs> Is if we don't keep our faith mended or in good work in order, we will find ourselves in hope alone. Not home alone, but hope alone. We'll, we'll try to operate our life and our walk with God in hope. Well, I'm just hoping that God's going to do something for me. But yet faith is the substance of things hoped for. Or we can say it like this, faith is the substance of things that I expect out of my redemption. Faith is the substance of things that I expect to receive from God because I am the redeemed. I am the redeemed of the Lord. And God is what? Plenteous in redemption. He has plenty of redemption. So I am ever addressing my faith in the present tense. Now, don't, don't misunderstand me when I make that statement about myself. I'm not perfect in it, but what I'm saying is we're working toward getting better and better in it of, of, of relegating our faith to the present tense. And so we don't say, well, one of these days, I'm just hoping that God's gonna bless me. Calvary, Jesus on the cross is the absolute proof that he's already done something to bless you that he's already done something to bring you back to him. Amen. And so in the present, amen. So we understand then if we, if we don't keep our faith in good work in order, keep our faith mended, we will find ourselves in hope alone, looking to the future for what God has provided for us today. Amen. So you keep saying, I'm blessed today. I am the blessed of the Lord today. What you do, you're speaking out something that has words that has God's power involved in it. And so we know this then, that faith occupies the position of a channel. I say it like this sometimes, faith, faith works like a conduit, like a channel, like a, uh, like a, uh, 
uh, what is that that water flows through? Through a pipe. That faith is your is the pipeline from heaven to earth and from earth to heaven. And all of this plenteous redemption flows down that pipe of faith. All of it comes down that, uh, what was the word I'm looking for? Aqueduct, what is that? You know, yeah, where water flows. And so faith becomes that between heaven and earth. And my faith goes up to it and, that, and coming down through it are the blessings of God. And so faith is something that we uh, contact heaven with and, and faith is something that God then contacts us on the earth. So grace then is the fountainhead and the stream from which all of our redemption flows, grace. Faith is the channel along which the flood of God's graces flow into my life. Now Paul said it, that we have access into this grace by what? By faith. That's why we want to keep our faith mended. We want to keep it in good work and order. And we want to be sure that we're following all of the principles that's listed and set forth in the word of God of how to operate in our faith and what faith is. So faith is the channel along which the flood or the stream of, of God's graces flows from heaven to us. And this channel must be kept in good repair. It must not, it must not be kept uh, un, uh, it must be kept unimpaired to keep the flow of grace flowing to us. So you don't, you don't want to let your faith, you know, kind of, kind of be, uh, uh, get, get, get in a position where this, that God's grace cannot flow to you uh, on, a, on a daily, regular basis. So that's why that we ever need to keep our faith mended. Now, I, I'm looking for the bell to ring any moment. But, but uh, uh, look, look at it, look at it like this. That, uh, let me see where I, where I was going with it. What, what was the statement that I just made to you? We, we need to, we have to keep it, keep, keep it unimpaired. So now let me, let me just briefly share with you things that will block this stream, the faith stream through which his graces flow. Here's some things that will block it. Okay, unforgiveness, bitterness, strife, offense, works of the flesh, all of these things will impair or will block the flow of God's blessing or God's graces. Say it again. What did I say? Unforgiveness. What did I say? Forgiveness. I, I hear three or four of you here. So, well, if I didn't say it right, I'm going to do it this time. Okay, okay. Uh, unforgiveness, bitterness, strife, offenses, works of the flesh will impair or weaken our faith, or will block this channel of faith, and even reduce it to little, or reduce it even to no faith. So that again is why that, that we read the statement, faith works by love. Because loving like God teaches us to love, it eliminates unforgiveness. It eliminates being offended, and it will eliminate strife. 
it will also bring under and in subjection the works of the flesh and it will keep our faith in good, our faith will be kept in good working order. And so the mending of it, Paul gives it in the, in the uh, Thessalonian letter when he, ta- when he wrote the letter uh, to, the, to the Thessalonians when he said that he wanted to come to them, that he said that I might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. And so if you, if you find, when you see that word, that I might perfect that which is lacking, it, it means that I might mend or correct that which is lacking in your faith. And then Jesus gives an example of that when he's walking by the seaside and he saw, the, he saw Peter and the fishermen, they were out of their boats and they were cleaning their nets. They were mending their nets. Why? Because they depended upon their net for their living. In other words, if the net is in, in, uh, uh, in bad uh, repair or in need of repair, maybe has holes in it, then it's going to reduce the amount of fish that they catch. So they, they, uh, when they fished at night, they came out in the daytime, they cleaned their nets, they repaired their nets so that their net is in good working order so that it will catch as many fish as that net will catch. So he wants my faith to be in good working order so that it becomes a net that brings the blessing of God into my life. Now we know the story there when, when, he, uh, when he talked to Peter and them, and they were cleaning their net, he told them, go back out there and cast your net on the right side. But Peter, you know, just for a moment, he said, well, Lord, we fished all night. and We haven't caught anything. And, uh, but, uh, but he said to Jesus, nonetheless, at your word, at your word, I'll go back out there and I'll cast the net on the right side. They had mended their net, they had repaired their net, and they had cleaned their net, waiting for the next night to come. So the net had been mended, it had been repaired, and now when they went back out and, and cast their net on the right side, according to the word of Jesus, you know, to do that, guess what happened? Well, you know what happened. What happened? Their net, they caught, they caught a net-breaking boatload, more than a boatload, of fish, amen. Their nets were repaired, their nets were mended, and it brought a harvest of, of, in this case, the harvest of fish, amen. Your net will bring a harvest, your faith net will bring a harvest of all of the God's blessing into your life. If you, if you keep it repaired, keep it in good work and order, and that's a daily thing that we take care of. From the word, we take care of our faith, amen. For more information and inquiries, please visit our website www.remanigeria.com or you can reach us on 08100163948 or 08076576163.